Uh, but 2 Timothy chapter number 1, go down to verse number 7. This is Paul speaking to and writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. Uh, go down to verse number 7, it says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers or partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I'm glad tonight that the Lord keeps everything he's ever committed towards us. But I'm glad he also can keep the things that I've committed towards him or to him. I've, I've turned over to him and he's able to keep those things. And I'm grateful for that tonight. Let's pray. And I'll just give it, Lord, put on my heart as I was getting ready for tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you again for tonight. Lord, thank you for another opportunity, Lord, to fellowship together. Thank you, Lord, for the family of God. Lord, thank you for a place, God, we can just come together. Lord, we cut up. Lord, we have a good time. Lord, we enjoy each other's fellowship, Lord, but we also care about each other. And Lord, we also love on each other. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you'd help us, Lord, to, Lord, glean again from your, your word, Lord, precious truths that will help us, Lord, in our everyday life. Lord, we thank you for the life of Paul. Lord, we thank you for the difference, Lord, you made in his life. And, Lord, how he allowed you to make a difference in ours. Lord, what he probably may not have known all those years ago, Lord, the things that he, were, he was doing for you. Lord, the steps of faith that he was taking, the actions that he was making, Lord, the words that he was preaching. God would be a blessing and an encouragement to us all these years later. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, that you use people, Lord, that are willing to be used. Lord, thank you, Lord, you don't, you don't uh, grade us on our ability and our skill set, but, Lord, our willingness to be obedient to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you tonight. Lord, help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, verse 7 through 12, tonight's what we read. And one of the things that we often forget about the Apostle Paul, or sometimes I do, like I, I forget that Paul was just a human being. Right, we, we, he is a great man of the faith. He's a great hero of the faith. Right, we, we owe his, uh, we, we don't necessarily owe it to him, but God used him to write the majority of our New Testament, the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, right, our, our, the way our churches govern, the way we believe, the, the practices that we have, right, those verses that get us through hard times and difficult times came from the pen of Paul as he was writing, being moved by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we like to think that Paul was a superhuman, but really Paul was just like me and you, right? Made of the same flesh, made of the same bone, made of the same muscles, all that kind of stuff. He, he dealt with the same things that you and I deal with on a daily basis. He just dealt with it 2,000 years ago. He dealt with it uh, before we had things like Facebook and all those different kind of things. But here's the interesting thing about Paul in our Bible. As I think a lot of times we, we, we forget this about Paul is because we don't always see a lot of Paul's shortcomings, right? We don't see a lot of Paul's faults and a lot of Paul's failures, right? Because we look at the apostle Peter and we, we know Peter had a mouth on him, right? We know Peter's put his foot in his mouth many a time. But also Peter denied the Lord, right? We, we can go back to where he, he, he promised he wouldn't, but he did, 
right? Or we could go back to Thomas, right? What does everybody know about Thomas? Thomas doubted. Right, he 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 said, if I don't, if I'm not able to touch the, the the scars in his hands and the scar in his side or the wound on the side, I will not believe that Christ is risen. Right, and he for for eternity on, he's been known as doubting Thomas. Right, we could go back and we could look at all these different people. Even John the Baptist, right, he went through a spell of uncertainty. He sent his disciples to Jesus and said, ask him if he's really the one, or should we look for another? Right, the same one who had a few years or months before had baptized him in the Jordan River, had declared to the entire world that was there that day, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But he goes through this spell of uncertainty. And really, when I think about this, the, the only, not to say flaw, but the, the, the shortcoming or the issue that we see predominantly in Paul's life is this thorn in his flesh. Right, we read that in 2 Corinthians. He tells about it, but here's the thing, even his thorn in the flesh, he dealt with in the right way. The Bible says that Paul besought God thrice, right? Some, some real spiritual men will say Paul should only have to pray for it once, but here's Paul, he's gone to God three times. And can I say, well, preacher, how many times should I bring a prayer request before God? How many times should I go before God with a need or a desire I have in my life until you get an answer, right? It's the same thing the way with my children are. They will not quit asking, until they get an answer. And sometimes they'll keep asking until they get the answer that they really want. Right, but I'm thankful that the Lord knows what I need far better than what I think I need. And here Paul, he has this thorn in the flesh. He deals with it right. He sought the Lord. He accepted the Lord's answer. My grace is sufficient for thee. And from that point on, Paul never goes to God with it again, but rather he chooses to trust what God has told him. And I think at the end of Paul's life, he would have told this to Timothy and all Titus and, and Silas and all those. He, he really could say God's grace is sufficient. But there is something about Paul. He is set apart. He has a, a ministry that is, I really think, yet to be matched in human terms. But I don't think it's because Paul's ability that set him apart, right? Because Zechariah 4, 6 tells us, it's not by might nor by power, but my spirit saith the Lord of hosts. Really, I think what set Paul apart was his attitude, his mindset, right? Because you go into verse number 12, right in the middle of it, what does Paul say? For I know. For I know. Uh, and then he goes on to say, and I am persuaded Right, Paul just had this attitude of some things. He said, there's some things I don't know. There's some things I haven't figured out. There's some things I don't understand. But Paul said, what I don't know, what I am persuaded of, I'm willing to live my life based upon that. And that is the beauty of the Christian life, right, is that we don't always know everything. I don't have the answer for every question. But what I do know is far more than enough for me to keep going for me to serve the Lord, for me to give my life unto him, right? I do know that his grace is sufficient. I do know that his mercy is new every morning. I do know that his love is eternal. I do know he does forgive. I do know there is grace and there's second and third chance for God. I do know these things, right? We all let that attitude uh, encourage us and help us in our Christian life. And as we wrap up Paul's life, let us look at Paul's attitude tonight. I want to preach on this thought. I already mentioned it. We oftentimes, we talk about these books of the Bible, and we call them the Pauline epistles, right? They are the letters that Paul wrote to different churches and to different people, right, to different individuals. But tonight, we're going to preach on this, how to have a Pauline attitude. 
how to have a Pauline or an attitude like Paul. I believe every Christian can have a Pauline attitude by identifying and agreeing with Paul in the following areas. So I'm going to give you three areas that we can have an attitude like Paul, and it'll help us in our Christian life. Notice number one, Paul had an attitude of appreciation. Paul had an attitude of appreciation. I do believe verse number eight and verse down through verse number 10 shows us something that Paul never got over his salvation. Paul never got over the fact that God would save somebody like him. Paul got over his past. Philippians 3.13, right before our memory verse for this week, Paul went on to say, I, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me. Right, that had to have been difficult for Paul. That had to have been hard for Paul because Paul was, prior to his salvation, he was wreaking havoc amongst the churches and amongst Christians, consenting to their death and, and, and almost taking pleasure and joy at taking somebody else's life. Paul had a past that was probably hard to shake and probably oftentimes came up and, and it bothered him, but somehow he was able to step back and say, you know what, that's not who I am anymore. That's not what I do anymore. Everything's been different since the day that I met Jesus. And if Jesus forgot my past, if he's forgiven it, then I need to move on for the glory of God. Paul always had an attitude. He got over his past. He even got over his present sufferings. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, Paul would write this. He'd say, for our light afflictions, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And I look at Paul and I look at his afflictions, those things that have happened to him, those problems that have risen up in his life. He's been beat. He's escaped in a basket. He's been shipwrecked. He's been in prison, falsely accused, ridiculed, mocked, and made fun of. And he steps back and he says, oh, those are just light afflictions. Those are just light afflictions. And here I am. <laughs> I was getting the pizza for, for church. I was just trying to be a blessing. I, I put it in early and all that kind of stuff. And the man who was making our pizza night, cutting it up for us, was cussing me underneath his breath. He just couldn't whisper. And here I'm thinking, man, I'm suffering over here. Right here is Paul. He's been shipwrecked, snake bit, all those kind of things. And yet he says it's light. He said it's but for a moment. And here's the thing tonight, we have to make that choice that when we get into those light afflictions, yes, we need to stop and realize in light of eternity are but a moment, right? You very well could take some that ought to just last a second or a moment in your life and allow it to, to dwell and allow it to fester in your life. And all of a sudden, what should have just been a moment is now controlling your life. What if Paul would have said, you know what, if those Jews are, just, are trying to kill me, I'm just going to quit, right? Oh, they beat me. I'm done with them. I'm done with this. And yet he, he got over his present sufferings. Why? He knew they worketh a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. He got over his past. He got over his present circumstances. But he never got over his salvation. He never got over it. He knew the results of Look at verse number nine. Who hath saved us? Who hath saved us? Right, I could see Paul in church. And Paul, what you so He said, I'm just glad that Jesus saved me. We, we sing Amazing Grace and we sing all four verses of it and then we'll sing that Praise God and then we'll sing I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, 
I'm saved. Can I say tonight, I'm glad that I'm saved by the grace of God. He has saved me from some things. He saved me from a place called hell. He saved me from a life of misery. He saved me from a life of ruin. He's saved me from my own self and from my own problems, my own issues. He has rescued me. He has saved me. And Paul said, I know what he's done for me. I know what he's done for us. Who hath saved us? He said, I knew the result of it. He knew the purpose it caused. Look at verse number nine who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. And I can't get ahead of myself tonight, but Paul said, not only has he saved me, but now he's given me the opportunity to serve him. Here's the thing, prior to salvation, Paul would have said, I am serving God as a Pharisee. I am a godly man. I am a moral man. I am a just man, a righteous man, but Paul had to step back and realize that none of that mattered. In essence, he couldn't pull his Pharisee card out with the disciples and the apostles and say, now, look why God has called me. Look why God has saved me because he wants me to bring all this into your newfound religion. No, Paul said, the only reason why I got to do what I got to do is by the grace of God. And can I say tonight, when God saved you, yes, he saved you from a lot of things, but the moment he saved you, he also gave you the Holy Spirit. Now you are enabled to serve him. He's called you to a holy calling. What is that, preacher? To live for him, to serve him. And it's not according to your works, right? It's not by your ability. It's not because he thought, man, I need that smart fellow right there or I need someone as strong as him. But rather, he's looking for somebody who says, you know what? If God can save me, there's no telling what else God can do with me and how God can use me. He knew the purpose of it. He knew the person behind it, verse number 10. But it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul never took credit for his salvation. He always pointed towards the Lord or to the Lord tonight. He knew the person behind it. And sometimes in our Christian life, we get saved for so long that we forget that we didn't save ourselves. Christ saved us. And all of a sudden, we begin to rely on ourselves and rely on our ability, rely on our strengths and our skill sets. We need to step back and say, if it hadn't been for Jesus, I wouldn't be here in the first place. If I was depending on him to depend on him to live for him, right? It's by his power, not mine and my own strength. Let me ask you tonight, do you still have an attitude of appreciation towards the Lord and all that he's done for you? All that he's done for you. That old song says, count your blessings, name them one by one and see what the Lord has done. Can I say tonight, it'd be good to us to never lose our appreciation for our salvation. Right, you want this place to go dead. You want this place to go cold. You want church to be monotonous and boring. Just lose your appreciation for your salvation. Right, but, but when you have that, we come in here, we're, we're excited by the fact that God would save somebody like me and that God would give me and God would use me. And then when I messed up, he still loved me and he, he, he made an avenue and a way back to him for the, I had to live that way. We ought to be grateful for that tonight. I always had an attitude of appreciation towards the Savior. He never got over his salvation. Let me ask you tonight, have you got over your salvation? Does it not excite you like it once did? I love hearing some, I, I love hearing Timothy's testimony. I love hearing Miss Autumn's testimony. Been saved just a couple days, a couple weeks now. But I like to hear those old timers talking about they've been saved three times as long as I've been alive. And they're still excited about it. They're still great for it. They're still joyful for it. And I'm thankful for that tonight. Don't lose that, old timers. Don't lose that, young people. Don't lose your appreciation or your attitude of appreciation. Paul had that kind of attitude. Then notice number two, Paul had an attitude of action. He had an attitude of action. Look at verse number 11. 
whereunto I'm appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. If Paul was alive today, I think he'd be bothered by a few things in our modern day church. There'd be a few issues he'd have. In essence, I think if, if the church of America, the church of today, got a letter from Paul, I don't know if we'd be ready to read it or not. We go read Corinthians, go read uh, 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 Galatians and Colossians, go read those. He didn't hold nothing back on them. He was telling them like it was, and, and sometimes we need that in our life. Really, we need it all the time in our life. So many accountability is never a bad thing. But I think Paul would point out, one of the things Paul would point out in our modern day church is a lack of action. A lack of action. Especially our action concerning our appointment. Our appointment, preacher. Yes, our appointment. Paul, look what Paul says in verse number 11. He says, where am I? I am appointed a preacher and a apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. That word appointed means place. It means com commission. It means picked. Right? In essence, when God saved you now, he's commissioned you. Right? We have the great commission. That's, that's for every Christian, right, to preach the gospel. But at the same time, God is, is, is asking us and, and willing to help us. But there has to be an act in our sense. We have to be obedient. We have to do what he's commanded us to do. And here, Paul, he, Paul said, I, I know that I'm saved. I'm, I'm grateful for it. But God didn't save me just to sit here for the rest of my life. Paul, or God has an action for me. God has an action for Paul. And he has an action for you. And then notice in Paul's appointment, we also see our appointments. He was appointed a preacher. So are we. Now, you may not stand behind the pulpit. You may not stand like I do on, on, on service after service and preach from the word of God like I do. But all of us are called to preach the gospel, the good news, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say tonight, you don't need a do that. You don't need a suit and tie on to do that. You just have to have the gospel in your heart and someone who's willing to listen to you. Preacher, how do you go about doing that? Just ask them. Just walk up to them. Hey, has anybody told you the gospel? No, good. Let me tell it to you real quick. Right? Has anybody heard how you can go to heaven? Has anybody told that to you? Right? You don't have to beat them over the head with it, but we are called to do that. We are called to do that. Listen, I, I'm just like you. It's easier to talk about a ball game. It's easier to talk about hunting. It's easier to talk about anything under the sun, right? But it seems like when the gospel comes up and the Lord's dealing with it, all of a sudden, like my hands don't get sweaty when we're talking about baseball, right? My, stu my stutter goes, no, it, it doesn't show up when I'm talking about disc golf. But man, when it comes time to talk about the gospel, all of a sudden I get nervous, Right, but really, I'm not called to talk about any of those other things, but I am called, and we are called to preach the gospel. And I've had to tell my kids, I need to tell myself over and over again, nerves are no excuse to not do the will of God. He was appointed a preacher, and so are we. He was appointed apostle, and so are we. Now, let me clarify tonight, that word apostle means ambassador. Now, we understand the biblical sense, the apostle, uh, they, they had miraculous power attached. And we could read the book of Acts, right? Paul and, and Peter, James and John, they looked at the, the poor beggar, told him to get up and walk, and he walked. And uh, there was uh, dead children brought back to life. But we understand that when that which is perfect has come, those sign gifts were, were taken away. They were done away with because we have the completed word of God tonight. We understand that this evening, but we are called to be ambassadors, right? We were just talking about it in Sunday school these past few weeks to the young people, that we are ambassadors for Christ. That the word of God literally says that verbatim, that we are ambassadors for him. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who is a citizen of another country who is now going to a foreign country on behalf of the country they are from. 
Right? And what, why are they there? They are there to influence the foreign country for, for with the the, 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 government system, whatever it may be in that sense of the country they are sit, sent from. But here's the thing. Even though they may live in the foreign country, they are not citizens of that foreign country. They are citizens of the country that sent them. And can I say tonight, as a child of God, as a Christian, I am not a citizen of this world. Right, my, my citizenship is in heaven and I have an internal address. I'm an ambassador for Christ, right? But while I'm here in my earthly, uh, uh, my temporal address, as I live, I am to be an ambassador for Christ, right? It's not what I want, it's not what I desire, but what does God desire out of my life? We are foreign citizens in a foreign country. We are to impact the foreign country on behalf of our homeland tonight. Let me ask you tonight, how well have, how well have you been ambassadoring? ambassadoring? <laughs> How well have you been being an ambassador tonight? Are you more concerned about what's going on here than what heaven has desired us to do tonight? He was an appointed apostle, and we're ambassadors. He was also an appointed teacher, and so are we. We're an appointed teacher. Let me ask you now, who are you teaching? Oh, preacher, that's not my spiritual gift. That's not my spiritual gift. I, I took the test, preacher. And I understand that. I understand the benefits of that test. I understand all that tonight. But ultimately, we are commissioned and told and instructed to teach. Now, you might not do like we do on Sunday school class, right? You may not have your Sunday school class where you, you stand behind the podium or if you're like Mr. Normie, you sit there and you got your book open and there's those group around you. But we all are called to teach or disciple somebody, right? It is, it is, it is uh, essential to the church, it's essential to Christian life that either we are being discipled or we are discipling somebody. That's right, that's how this thing goes on. It's how it carries on. Imagine if Ananias hadn't took time with Paul. Imagine if Barnabas hadn't come in to, uh, and helped Paul out. And, and Paul would have said, you know what? Nobody else helps me. Nobody else cares. I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. But as a Christian, right, those of us who, who have learned and those of us who have been around the block a few times, it is, it is our responsibility to teach those who are younger than us. Right? I, um, my, my heart's desire for our young people is that they don't ever have to go out to the world and find out what the world has to offer. That they'll save, stay with the Lord and serve the Lord all the days of their life tonight. But you, that will not be accomplished without right discipleship. And we are called to teach. It's, it's what we're told to do. Teaching only, you know, we got, we got to get rid of that mentality. That teaching only happens in the Sunday school class. Luke, do you know how to tie your shoes? Who taught you how to do it? Did he like sit down and pull out a book and say, all right, now Luke, grab a piece of paper. I'm going to teach you how to tie your shoes. You didn't have a class on it? He just did what he did, just show you how to do it? So, but he taught you, right? So many times we think it has to be so formal. <laughs> Brother Jacob? Oh, he's in his class. I thought he was sitting right there. Let's see here. Josh, who taught you how to brush your teeth? Parents. They sit down and have a class with you? Tell you all the different kinds of toothpaste, different kinds of toothbrush, soft, medium, hard bristles, right? Colgate. <laughs> That's only one I can think of right now. But they taught you, right? And so many times we think, well, if I'm not sitting behind a, a, a pulpit and I don't have my Bible and a lesson plan, then I can't teach nobody. Can I say some of the best lessons I've ever learned have not been in a classroom environment? It's been someone just sitting down talking to me and, 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 and just teaching me what God has taught them. I really enjoyed when Brother Randy Bell came down. He preached tremendous messages. But can I say I got some help? I got more help than just what he said behind the pulpit when we were sitting back there eating. 
He was just telling me, he, he didn't say, all right, Brother Tate, take out your Bible. And, and number of paper, one through, one through three, I'm going to give you three points on how to do with this. He just taught me. He was just talking to me. And we see here tonight that here's Paul writing to Timothy. Right, he's writing a letter to them and he's teaching him truths that wouldn't just help him, that would help us years down the road as well. And Paul was appointed teacher and so are we. Let me ask you, now, who are you teaching? Who are you teaching? <laughs> you ever wondered about, there's some preachers that I wonder about, and I ask this question, how in the world do they do all that? How do they get all that done in the same 24-hour period that I have? How do they do that? Right, well, it don't happen by accident. Right, they don't just stumble upon it. Somebody sat down with them and taught them, hey, you can do it this way, do it that way. They learned how to do those things. Let me ask you tonight, what kind of attitude do you have towards those things that God has appointed you to? The things he's called you to, he's commissioned you to. Paul had an attitude of action. Paul said, I'm gonna do what God has appointed me to do. I'm gonna preach, I'm gonna be an ambassador, and I'm gonna be a teacher. Paul had an attitude of action. He had, a, he had an attitude Excuse me of appreciation. The notice number three tonight, Paul had an attitude of acceptance. Look at verse number 12. For which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I think sometimes in our Christian life we give Satan too much credit. We give him too much credit. We have one bad thing happen to us. Right, what do we say? Boy, preacher, pray for me. That old devil's fighting me. What happened? Well, I stubbed my toe this morning. And it's just the Satan. He's fighting me, preacher. <laughs> I, I challenge you to go back tonight and observe the bad things that happened to Paul. Or what we'd call bad things. I wouldn't call a storm <laughs> getting wrecked in a, a, a storm and shipwrecked and having to float to shore and then getting bit by a snake. And then uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call being beat and whipped and left for dead and I wouldn't call being having to escape over a bat. I wouldn't call those good things, right? But nowhere in there does the Bible say, or does Paul even step back and say, y'all pray for me. Satan's just fighting me. The devil's, he, he's, on, he's fighting me. He's, he's, he's give me a fit, preacher. You don't fight it in there. Instead, instead of saying, you know what, this is Satan fighting me in my life, he said, rather this is an opportunity for me to say how faithful God really is. How did Paul survive? God was faithful. How did Paul float to the shore safely? God was faithful. How did Paul get up after being beat to death and then walk to the next town? God's faithful. He's faithful tonight. Instead of, instead of seeing these opportunities as a time to say, well, Satan's fighting. Why don't you step back and agree with Paul tonight? For which cause I suffer these things, right? Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed for I know in whom I have believed. Instead of saying, you know what? Satan's fighting me. Step back and say, you know what? I know in whom I have believed. I've committed some, I've given him my life. I, I told him that I'd serve him. I told him that I'd live for him. I told him I would do whatever he wanted me to do. And yes, there's problems and yes, there's issues and I didn't see him coming, but God is is I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him. Paul had an attitude of acceptance and he was saying God has me here for a reason. That's why Paul could walk up in the middle of that boat and say, tell all them fellow sirs, be of good cheer. I finally got devil, the devil off the boat. I finally bound him up, cast him out and told him to get out of here. Now what did he say? Be of good, sirs, be of good cheer for I believe God. 
See, Paul had got on the boat with the promise from God that God was going to get him to Rome. So he stepped back and said, listen, <laughs> y'all might not have got on this boat with the promise, but I did. And I know in whom I, am, I have believed and I'm persuaded. He's able to keep that which I've committed to him. Sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. You ever been aggravated trying to be a blessing to someone? <laughs> Let's just get real honest tonight. It, there's a saying, and I can't remember where I heard it the first time, but no good deed goes unpunished. I remember there was a young man that was going to church here, and he was in Bible college, and uh, he was transferring, switching, and on his way to Bible college, his tire blew out on his truck. And uh, it got relayed to me, and uh, somehow or the other, I said, well, I'll go, I'll go pick him up and take him to Bible college. And <laughs> it was one of those, I got there, he said, take the, 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 the Lord, the, the devil's just fighting me. Well, if he looked at his truck, right? He, he drove a truck like I was driving back in that day. <laughs> Matter of fact, the truck I was driving at that time, when I bought it, it didn't have brakes. <laughs> I still remember that Brother Kurt met me at the place I bought it at. He drove it home for me. I was too scared. <laughs> I can't remember where, what row we were on, but all of a sudden that light changed real quick. That person stopped in front of him. All it had was the e-brake. And he made... Mash that thing that you just seen smoke coming off of it. And he didn't hit nobody, which is good because I just bought it. Nothing been switched over yet. And we got home safely, but I you know, got that repaired and fixed. And so I, I went to where he was and I, I picked him up and he said, this, the devil's fighting me. I said, well, man, your, your tires, they, they're old. You know, I'm not surprised that it popped. And so we, I got in the, he, I, we loaded him up. I drove him to Bible college and all the way there, he was talking about, man, if this is what the ministry is going to be like, I think I'm just going to quit. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'll be able to do this or not. I said, man, you got a flat tire, right? It happens to the best of us, right? It happens to people. And, and as I was thinking about this today, I was reminded, Jesus told us it was going to happen, right? That's why he told us not to lay up earthly treasures, right? Because they, they rust, they corrupt, the moth can eat them, right? I don't care how nice of a thing you have down here, it's not going to last, right? And sometimes it's not Satan fighting you. It's just whatever you got's old. It's giving up. <laughs> well, preacher, I, I paid my tithe. It ought not to happen. Can I say I faithfully paid my tithe? I give the missions and I give an offering and I get flat tires. TVs break on me. Uh, parts of my house mess up. Uh, toilets mess up. Can I say not? Those things just happen. Can I say not? Instead of just saying, oh, the devil's fighting me. Say, so, you know what? In spite of what's going on, let me see what God's fixing to do right here. Because I've made some promises to him. I just put to my heart, I'm not going to let a flat tire stop me. We were on the, church, on the way to church one morning, and our car just stopped. Stopped. I mean, it just, every light on the dashboard just went off. I parked it at Story Mill Road Baptist Church on the way to church. <laughs> and it was like I pushed, pulled, and, and got it finally in a parking spot. I remember knocking on the door of the church, and the pastor, I think it was the pastor that the door. I said, hey, listen, my name is Tate Wagner. I'm the pastor of South Haven Baptist Church. My car broke down. Do you mind if I, I park it right here? And, and I'll get it after I get out of church. He was like, sure. <laughs> like, he wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting to be there. He wasn't expecting me to be there. <laughs> and then I, I, I remember finally getting back and they had locked the gate up on everything when I got back. What'd you do, preacher? I drove around on the grass. <laughs> finally got it started up and all that kind of stuff. Right, but I just put my heart, I'm not going to let those things stop me. 
Right? Those, if, if, Satan, if Satan knows he can pop your tire to get you to quit, that's what he's going to do. Right? But if he pops your tire and you turn around and say, well, I'm fixing to see what God's fixing to do right here. He's going to say, I'm going to quit popping that man's tires. That's what Paul, Paul didn't say, oh, man, y'all, brethren, pray for me. That's not what he said in verse number 12. He didn't say, for which cause I suffer these things, and nevertheless I'm not ashamed, but y'all pray for me. Satan's fighting me. He said, for I know in whom I have believed, and am persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Sometimes we get aggravated trying to help somebody be a blessing to them because they simply, they won't open their eyes to see it. Right? I'm here, I'm trying to be a blessing to you. God's trying to help you. And all they can do is talk about how terrible it is, how bad it is. When they, they, and I, I, listen, we're all capable of it. I've been there in my life where all I can see is negative. But can I say when I step back and stop looking at it from the, the negative point of view and I start asking God, all right, Lord, what are you trying to do here? Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? Lord, what are you trying to show me here? Can I say my mentality changes? My mindset changes? And I, I, I begin to accept that this is something that God has allowed into my life so he can show me how faithful he is and how well he can take care of me. Let me ask you, are you persuaded? Uh, how, how persuaded are you that the Lord can keep that which you've committed to him? Can I say that I've committed my life to him? I've told him on multiple occasions, Lord, whatever you want, that is what I'm willing to do. Lord, if it's here, if it's there, Lord, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I've learned that full surrender is full surrender. There's no such thing as half surrender in the Christian life. It's all or nothing, right? It's, it's Lord, whatever you want, it's yours. Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, it's yours. And here's the thing I found out. What I've committed to him, he's kept. He's kept. He's kept me exactly where I need to be, doing exactly what he wants me to do tonight. How persuaded are you that the Lord can keep what you've committed to him tonight. Paul had an attitude of appreciation. He never got over his salvation. Paul had an attitude of action. He, he realized that God had some things for him to do, and he did them. Then Paul had an attitude of acceptance. He didn't let the negative stop him, but rather he, he learned and allowed it to be a lesson on, on God's faithfulness in his life tonight. Well, how much better would our Christian lives be if we had an attitude like Paul's? We had that same mentality we purpose in our heart. God's not looking for someone with great ability, Right? No matter what you, you can do, God can do it better. Right? Last time I checked, none of us can speak anything into existence. None of us can look death right in the face and say, I'm going to conquer you by myself. None of us can bear the sin debt of every man and every woman, every boy and every girl to ever live and conquer it completely and totally and pay for it all. But Jesus did. God's not looking for ability tonight, but he's looking for somebody who will say, you know what? Whatever you want, Lord. However you, want, however you want it to be done. Lord, if I've got to be in a shipwreck, if I've got to be snake bit, if I've got to be beat, if I've got to go along the same lines that Paul did, but Lord, don't, don't allow me to, to lose this persuasion that you can be faithful in my life. You had an attitude of action, attitude of acceptance, and an attitude of appreciation. Now, where is your attitude at 